0: Hello, and welcome to Interculture Podcast, where we discuss the unique challenges of intercultural relationships, including differences of nationality, ethnicity, or religion. I am Ibrahim.
1: And I'm Jenna. Each week, we discuss a different topic on living and thriving in an increasingly global society.
0: Welcome to Intercultural Podcast. How are you, Jenna? <laughs>
1: uh, you know, I'm not doing that great, but I talked to my therapist today, so that helped a lot.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> what I need actually, therapist, these days, anyway. Yeah, why not? We're going to talk about economics today, Well, right? how
1: are you? You don't...
0: Ah. <laughs> Don't ask that, please.
1: Oh, jeez. Okay. Well, talking about economics is really going to cheer you up, I think.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's not going to do much, but <laughs> I designed something to get my mind off somewhere, so.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Aren't
0: are you, are you feel like the money is draining up really fast these days?
1: The money in the world?
0: The money in your pocket. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> um. Yeah. I really do.
0: Yeah, it's been going on like this after the pandemic is not completely finished, but we're seeing the impact of government giving free money to everyone. So inflation Mm. rates are high, all-time high since 1940s, I guess, or
1: 50s. But don't you think the inflation was kind of an effort to punish labor pushback in workers rather than an actual response to the pandemic?
0: Well, I mean, I think people—it's not to me to judge. I'm not—I'm not being judgmental, of course. But uh, regular jobs that we see—it's now like I think doesn't seem very attractive to people, you know. And since we also have this like geek, geek economy well, for almost like ten years.
1: Well, I think work hasn't become more or less attractive. It's just that people can not afford to live. The, in the same way that we have been in the past we can't afford to buy a home
0: i don't think you can just manipulate inflation rates like that it shouldn't be that easy in
1: here well
0: when you had no production almost almost a year not enough workforce in the economy and then so millions of people were laid off from work and then they were taking unemployment insurance money and there has been like let's say like way too much money in the market has been released by government, but there is not enough manufacturing since two years. Now, like, we are seeing things are getting expensive because there's, there is a demand, but there is not enough production right now. And also there is, like, too much money on the market. I mean... Maybe I'm wrong.
1: Stimulus payments and unemployment, thats that's gone now. <laughs> that money's gone. Yeah, that
0: money's gone. It's, it's in they, the
1: economy currently. I mean, of course, the with shipping issues that increase prices. Yeah. But if you want to talk about like a prolonged and huge jump in inflation, I mean this is a reactionary measure, I think. I could be wrong. I mean, I'm not claiming to know what the government's up to, but
0: I don't want to say print printing money.
1: They can inject more money into the economy.
0: Oh, like that, yeah. Yeah. That, that money's like it's like a credit I think that's the reason. And also like the energy costs are higher. Oil money, right? Oil, oil economy. We are like dependent still like too much. So the thing with oil, you cannot stop producing, stop digging. If you do that, it, it costs a lot of money. So you have to keep producing, producing.
1: If you halt extraction, that's, that's going to be an extremely costly.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Well, this is interesting to me because I don't know. I mean, I feel like I should know about <laughs> extracting oil, but that makes a lot of sense.
0: Since June, though, it's it has slowed a little bit. They say, like, recession is going to last probably nine months to two years, maybe. It's already here. Not just in the US, uh, Japan, Germany, UK already, like...
1: Well, the UK is just fucked right now. Yeah, they. It's, it's, <laughs> They're this, is, this really... is their
0: third, third prime minister. Most of the countries is not doing that good, except Nordic countries, especially Norway, discovered 1.5 trillion worth of oil, and they decided to use that for the future generation. They decided to create a fund. Huh. Almost like half of the US population lives without savings, and
1: right
0: huge amount of debt. Same in Turkey, too. It's pretty concerning. The a real question is, is this capitalism economy is working or not? That's the question.
1: I wrote down some definitions cool. so that we can have a baseline here. Awesome. Capitalism is an economic system in which a country's trade, industry, and profits are controlled by private companies, not by the laborers. And capitalists have capital, which they are free to invest at their discretion. Yes. Socialism, a political and economic theory of social organization, which advocates that the means of production, distribution, and exchange should be owned or regulated by the community at large.
0: That's impossible.
1: The theory here, representative government or individuals should have the power to determine how businesses... Are regulated Uh, uh. or what percentage of countries profits are invested into social programs and how they're invested if we look at many countries that we consider capitalists they're not purely capitalists in theory they're mixed markets like the US is a mixed market Russia is a mixed market and we can see that nations that are governed by some at least trickle-down version of capitalism, are extremely successful. But that's also related to economic freedom and the ability to, like, trade globally. That's an important piece of it. People talk about, like, the U.S. being this huge capitalist powerhouse, but truly, we're not that capitalist entirely. We have social programs, Medicaid, Medicare, and... We bailed out our banks when they needed help. That is not capitalist. When people say, oh, look at the United States' success, that success, yes, in part due to capitalism, but also in the the ability of the government and the economy to adapt to shifting needs. Do you agree?
0: Most of them, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think we can't control millions of people with, Socialist government.
1: I don't think that socialism is about control, though.
0: Yeah, it's also there's a side of providing things for free to your community or people, you know?
1: It's not about. Such as like healthcare. About providing things for free. It's about sharing in a system. What I found in preparing for this episode, what is really important is to know like how these systems arose uh-huh. and like those philosophies arose uh-huh. and everything is just in reaction to each other in a capitalist system the workers can be exploited there needs to be a way we can reframe our society so that we have a system of sharing valuables and resources rather than being this manufactured system of exploitation.
0: Well, if you give them too much privilege, they tend to go lazy.
1: But I don't think people are lazy necessarily. Yeah. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. People who are very privileged become lazy, but I don't think they stay lazy necessarily. Of course people who are accustomed to a certain standard of living, they will cling to that and they do not want to lose that, and I think that's a really important thing to acknowledge. And they they want to at least be seen as productive because that's what our society values.
0: Yeah. Really valued here.
1: You cannot measure your value as a human being through your your productivity, even though that's what our capitalist society yeah. encourages us we are like conditioned to believe that our values as human beings is in our productivity living here anyway i'm not saying in all cultures but growing up here yeah absolutely in france during the industrial revolution when people were being brutally exploited in factories what gave them more rights to say, "I'm not going to work for fifteen hours a day?" that was mandated from the government that you cannot treat your employees like like robots that don't have any human needs. That did not come from the owners of capital or from the employers. It had to be government mandated they, their quality of life mattered, and like I think that says something important about labor movements today is it has to come from that level
0: are there any labor mo- movements left these days
1: absolutely well, yeah. yeah yeah
0: i'm not hearing any protests
1: <laughs> what about the the union protesters all across america trying to fight for their unions
0: so is there a union in texas
1: of course there are unions in texas there are unions all over the place it's just that we're fighting tooth and nail to like get them back and have them be a significant part of the labor marketplace again. Since the 80s, there's been this effort to, you know, union busting, getting rid of unions to protect capitalist safety measures to prevent falling profits. The desires of the laborers didn't go away.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. It's not the same pace. Life is getting more expensive and harder day by day, but your conditions doesn't get much better. I mean, inflation is, is, is good, actually. It doesn't hurt if it's stable. like uh, If it's like not more than 3% or 4%, it can help.
1: That's only if income keeps yeah, up with it, though. Yeah, yeah. Which historically, in the past 50-something years, in this country, it has not. Our minimum wage is the same as it was like what, 40 years ago or something like that? Like, that's insane. That's crazy. And now education costs. I mean, forget about looking at that percentage. So yeah, inflation is fine. Inflation is not a problem. It's the fact that income doesn't keep up with it. And I just wonder, perhaps it's not an issue with capitalism as an ideology. Maybe we are just approaching it wrong where we know that greed is king. So we have to put checks and balances in place to prevent greed from destroying the lives of the working class. I, I don't think that we should just throw capitalism out the window. Like some people do think that. If you look at the most successful econ- economies in the world, they are capitalists to a certain wow. measure. To a certain measure, they are capitalists.
0: Defeated communism. It finished the Cold War.
1: The United States murdered many, like almost 2 million people in the Cold War to get rid of the spread of communism. And we did that with our our (laughs) money. So it's an important point to, to bring up that the Cold War wasn't just us going to Vietnam. It was also like the million people we murdered in Indonesia, the innocent people. I mean, we murdered a lot of innocent people in the pursuit of power because of economic ideologies, which is actually insane when you think about it.
0: Always gets darker and carried away when it comes to (laughs) politics.
1: You're right. When you start to talk about politics, it, it gets very ugly very quickly. That's true.
0: Well, I guess there's no like... One true system.
1: I want to do an abrupt topic shift if you don't mind. Well, not topic shift, but you know, let's talk about China and Hong Kong because I think we talked about their economy before in the past. Yeah. And since then, I would say I don't think it's inevitable that China will become the number one economy in the world. Well, but it's highly likely, I think.
0: Even though it's still, you should you should still use the the currency of the United States of government, the Federal Reserve currency, you know, which is the U.S. dollar. So I guess it's like a it's like becoming like a really dangerous pit bull, but on the dollar dollar leash. You can just go <laughs> go really fast and long, and you can when you bite, you can just bite really hard, but. There's still a chain in your neck. Yeah, China is a a really government controlled country. They're only one party. And then inside that party, there are like different political provisions. Now it's currently running by an authoritarian government. It's it's a tactic what they do to become like a superpower or to become uh, a dominant power. In other like weaker countries, they just buy them out. Mm. How? They just go to a poor country. They built railroads and airports and, like, um, harbors. That poor country doesn't have any money, right? And China say, okay, we can, lend, we can loan you money to build these, mm-hmm. right? They, they just loan you money and then they start building it, even though they use their own workers to build it. These, like, these projects are like mega projects, you know? Your economy cannot can't afford that. Right. Once your government cannot pay it back, they just own the land that goes through that railroad.
1: Whoa. They can
0: just do whatever they want in that.
1: That seems very insidious.
0: In also like harbor too. You you could also say the same thing about the natural resources in your country. It's very aggressive. That's how they become dominant. That's why like the West tried to like stop them.
1: Modern imperialism now.
0: Yeah. Basically China is doing the same thing. I think it's not wrong to say what other like colonist countries did. Three hundred right. years ago, right now it's like in a, doing it a more more modern way. So, Hong Kong used to be an independent piece of land, colonized by Britain, UK.
1: Since the UK has released them from their col- their colony status, they had been enjoying some freedom, even from China, China's rule, but. Well, what we saw, 2019, 2020, the protest towards that extradition law, and that was like a representation of China coming down on Hong Kong, saying we're going to enforce our policies on you more, be subject to our censorship, basically. And they are now, which, by the way, if you speak against it's the same thing in china speaking against the government i mean you can go to jail which they just passed this law in hong kong and i think how it relates to the economy discussion is is hong kong going to recover from social upheaval from the protests and people are still very upset and there's turmoil and most people are leaving hong kong a B, biggest thing, COVID policies that are coming from China. The thing with Hong Kong, the power of their market is in their openness to foreign trade. With COVID policies, mm-hmm. there's less people traveling and there's, it's harder to travel there, which mm-hmm. was like their number one appeal Oh yeah, they try to
0: control more. They have try to have more control over Hong Kong because of the COVID restrictions, right? Using the COVID restrictions, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the COVID restrictions in China—it's just a broader part of the CCP's intention to control and surveil their people, and of course, they want to do that in Hong Kong as well.
0: You can't possibly govern two billion people with a perfect system, so.
1: But if you look at the way that the CCP has cracked down on the flow of information into China and upped their surveillance and more censorship, you see now the younger population is more nationalist than they were in the past. And of course they are. It's not like it's their fault. If you're just fed only propaganda, no access to like these differing opinions, the Chinese government has successfully cracked down on dissidents and has maintained a really high level of control over their people. And I think they, they will hang on to that by any means.
0: In their economy, they also see the impact of they're like less... Young couples are getting married, afford to buy properties together, or find a find a job that they can can just afford their life. That's the thing in every every country, almost every country.
1: Their housing market is so insane, and like nobody can buy a home anymore. But buying a home is an even bigger priority in China. I mean, that's a huge status symbol.
0: Yeah, it's also like a.
1: It's a more cultural male-oriented. Yeah, yeah, you're right. right. Yeah. So
0: I guess the father of the family expected to buy the house.
1: Yes. Someone's not even gonna look at you as like a potential husband or whatever if you don't have your own (laughs) house. A lot of people predict that Shanghai's market is going to overtake Hong Kong. If demographics remain the same, China's economy will be the number one in the world by like 2040, if everything stays perfectly for them right now, which is up in the air.
0: Yeah, of course, the US government wouldn't want that and um, the economy become more powerful. It's really concerning for a country like here. But um, yeah, like I said, I stick with what I said earlier. They have an aggressive economical policies when it comes to investing in other countries.
1: China has been really smart about their economic policy. They lifted their country out of abject poverty in not what thirty exactly. years. They have been smart about investing in infrastructure, investing in education, which is something the education, US is yes. not doing.
0: Education-wise, yes, I agree with that I agree with and
1: in an infrastructure, very important. That always falls behind in government. But
0: the thing is. There is this circle of people, only like one percent of the population. They like control a humongous amount of money, economy, and then the rest of the country is like still struggling.
1: Of course, yeah.
0: So, like a huge, huge amount of population lives under poverty in China.
1: Yes, and, that's uh, true. But I'm just talking about more broadly before 1970s and 80s. Most people were like poor farmers. I'm saying, yes, now the income disparity is very bad and many people are living in poverty. But on the other hand, they've lifted a huge, huge percentage of people out of poverty and like gave them opportunities. And I don't think that that should just be overlooked. I'm not saying that they should be (laughs) the top economy in the world. I'm not saying that. But I'm just trying to look at, the lives that they have been able to change I'm being devil's advocate here,
0: yeah, getting out of poverty is a huge thing, yeah, a huge success, and also a side note, till like two thousand sixteen or two thousand fourteen they were they were the biggest peace force in the united nations
1: you're saying they sent a large part of their military to do this not
0: large they had the biggest.
1: The biggest contribution? The
0: biggest comp- contribution in humanitarian aid and the military presence.
1: Well, that's fucking funny considering <laughs> all the the people they have in concentration camps right now, but... <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So, sugarcoating recording things.
1: They do what they have to do to maintain appearances, yeah. But they're not fooling anyone. They're an authoritarian government. <laughs> and we all know it, but... They have one of the biggest populations in the world, a very strong military. No one's going to like challenge them, and they know that too. Exactly. Everything is maintaining appearances in government.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: But I think you wanted to talk about economic systems, how it affects society's values and that sort of thing.
0: Yeah. Before money, we used to trade things that we had, and then... Lydians came. They founded money, which where I was born.
1: In Turkey is where money was founded.
0: Yeah, Mm, the kingdom called Lydians. Mm. Yeah, before Romans, before Greeks. So I'm coming from the that land.
1: (laughs) How dare you? How dare (laughs) you ruin the world for us? (laughs) We're all just trying to, you know, go off the barter system and live peacefully. And
0: right. I met some people, they like want to go back to trading things instead of using money. Mm-hmm. I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't know how would that work, but I expect it.
1: It's a nice thought, but it's yeah. just a fantasy.
0: Yeah, everybody should live like farmers, you know, in order to trade something, you need, you need to produce something.
1: <laughs> this is another thing. Agriculture systems. I mean, that determines everything when you want to talk about your economy. The stronger your technology for farming, the less labor hours required for farming, the less people who are farmers. I mean, the easier it is for you to produce food, the larger economic share is in complex goods and services. And that determines the strength of your economy in so many ways is how automated your farming is.
0: Yep. The way your farm are also not sustainable too. You should like note that and there's an effect of climate change in the next couple of centuries i think we're gonna like gonna face the consequences of the lifestyle we are living in
1: we're yeah we're facing them now and they're we're only gonna get now, worse yeah know? it's only
0: gonna get worse and then and what i would say is next powerful people people who controls land
1: well that uh Reminds me of all the conspiracy theories about Monsanto controlling the world in the future
0: during the recession times like this. Goes back to the old methods. And because I remember, like, when the Bitcoin crashed, mm-hmm. people like started to buy
1: Buying real, estate again. real estate again. Part of the capitalist mindset, too, is that you need to be unafraid to take risks, especially in technology. I mean, that's the thing that's driving your profits upwards, investment in technology. So it wasn't surprising the way Bitcoin took off when it did, but I think there's still plenty of traditionalists are not ready to take the leap into digital currency.
0: Since inflation is high, also you also have to like rise up the interest rates. So you can slow down the inflation. That's what now we are doing in Turkey. <laughs> the inflation rates has gone up to 100% recently. Can you believe that?
1: No. It is crazy. <laughs>
0: Look, like, it's 8% here. At least 80% in Turkey. 80% like...
1: I mean, what the fuck do you do? Like, how do you how do you save how do you provide for the future you know i mean it's just you
0: don't you just spend and spend you just depend on the the small amount of paycheck that you're like (laughs) getting from your boss and then
1: that you maybe have because i know unemployment among young people is a big deal high like that's why they are
0: flooding out other countries such as germany here
1: yeah yeah canada
0: or like such a waste full potential of country thing is our my our money is losing its value, and uh, and we should have like raised our interest rates in order to slow down the inflation. Mm. It was that simple. We didn't because the, the current government was like afraid to. When you raise your inflation, sorry, like interest rates, your economy goes to recession. Mm-hmm. So the government didn't want that because if that would be the case, Turkey's economy is already fragile like really fragile, you know? Yeah. They would become more vulnerable. So they couldn't take that risk because there's an election coming up. So they I just see. started using the natural resources of the Federal Reserve. And the, they kept changing the National Bank of Turkey's president like three times in one year. And then they fucked it up while they were living their like glamorous lifestyle. You're also like an Islamic country in Islam... Interests is haram.
1: I was about to like mention that. I know Islamic countries are kind of like iffy about interest stuff. And... But
0: it is impossible to build your economy like that. You know, it's yeah,
1: charging interest. That is something Christians did not like either. I mean, not now, obviously. I'm talking hundreds of years ago, and that became the Jewish profession was like banking because interest was in loans is not a problem in Jewish scripture. And so that was where a lot of the anti-Semitic ideologies were formed oh. in this time when people were not interested in banking because they saw that as immoral. So but someone had to do it. And the Jewish people did. They got very wealthy, of course. And that's that was one of the many avenues for this hatred of Jewish people that still persists today. So anyway, point being, interest is okay and we should accept it as a normal part of our modern economies. And we should stop demonizing it because it leads to very idiotic paths. That's my final opinion. <laughs> That's
0: what happened. You know, they raised the minimum wage... It still like, cannot beat the, the interest rates.
1: Uh, what about ideas about post-capitalism and how knowledge, exchange, and information is going to be the thing that sets us free from like the burden of exploitative capitalism?
0: The more things you want to own that has more value, the more you need to work, the more you need to...
1: In theory, but not in practice. The CEOs, people who own a lot of stock, people who own a lot of capital, those guys barely lift a finger every day, but they make millions of dollars. If we could all like believe the value of labor, but it's not true in reality. In reality, the the people who work the hardest are the people who make the least.
0: I guess you just forget how time is valuable to us, how fragile bodies are Sorry, i, I kind of got carried away what you said you got me thinking of this you
1: no know i i like that you made that point actually because yeah you're what you're doing is all at the the deficit of your health whether you're sitting at a desk staring at a screen which is might be fucking up our eyesight we don't know yet but sitting at a desk all day is really bad for you or If you're working in a factory, like doing the same motions over and over again, like that is destroying your body too. And people who are in high stress positions, you know, chronic stress really destroys your health. If only we could consider the value of our health, but we cannot because we are like chains in the system. We have to think about that as individuals, what we're sacrificing in terms of health.
0: Yeah, it's just easy to talk, but it's impossible to do. Sounds like taking care of a household if you're like, if there's people who need your care, you know. Yeah. Needs to go to school, you know, just...
1: Or your elderly family members. Your
0: elderly family members. Yeah, that is a question. One thing, it can give a birth to fascism. How you run your economics.
1: Your economic system is like dictating your politics your culture it does like have so much more influence than like i think most people more than most people think about on a day-to-day basis is how much our economic system is impacting us and it could lead to fascism i mean well everything comes it funnels back into power right i mean that's why we fought the cold war it wasn't because we think that capitalism is our new religion that we're going to worship it's about dominance economic dominance and in turn power in the world on the global market
0: if i would have given an advice to the next generation or my future child would be be a better like a financial reader of their life mm-hmm. i would try to teach them invest because after they leave the household, that's what they're going to deal for the rest of their life. It's all about their finances, right?
1: Well, you could talk about your goals. If you have a goal of having fast car, you should think about what that is going to require from you. Work-wise, education-wise. Mm-hmm. But I think I would tell the next generation to just follow their interests and protect their own health and try to educate yourself in finance yes mm-hmm. but i would i would more encourage them to like follow their own interests because i think that individualism is important that's kind of the key that's missing people would say from like a lot of discussion about economic systems is the individual individuals with our own pursuits goals and interests that that are more important than being a cog in this, this economic system. Mm-hmm. If you care about the role of economics, get involved in your labor union or be part of the conversation.
0: Well, let us know if you feel like I feel.
1: And support the podcast economy by rating five stars and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> And um, I just want to say thank you for listening to me talk about stuff that I have no business being an authority on. So,
0: <laughs> thank you for listening to us. This was Into Culture Podcast. See
1: you, and you next week.
0: See you anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Email us at interculturepodcast at gmail.com or follow us on social media at interculturepod.